0: Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a character in Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's character and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Powered by Schnooks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN.
1: ready for the weekend with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN 903. Your time check brought you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And time for our fresh take of the day. And here's some good fresh news. Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic pointing out that NHL training camps won't start before July 10th, although that doesn't mean they will start on July 10th necessarily. Our expectation, Michelle, would be that that week of July 10th, maybe by the 15th, that we'll have NHL training camps and that would give us by the first week of August real NHL games and there's a very good chance that on our birthdays we can be enjoying NHL Stanley Cup playoff hockey.
2: Oh, what a great gift. Best gift gift we could possibly ask ever, for, right, Randy? Ever. And while I'm glad to hear actual concrete dates being tossed out there, because that's what we're all waiting for. We know that the snowball is rolling down the hill and we're getting to that point. But until we have a hard date, I think a lot of people are still holding their breath knowing that, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen moving forward. So we're waiting for that date. But I mean, mid-July, we're not even officially in June yet.
1: I know. We got a ways uh, to go. And baseball will be back, though. Baseball start training camp on June 10th, and uh, spring training with spring training 2, and oh. they'll get games going on the 4th of July. It's, when you look at the care that they're taking and the way that baseball is approaching this return, it's just exquisite. That, the, the fact that there is so much care for each side and so much concern for the feelings of their customers, a.k.a. their fans, you really do have to admire and appreciate that people on both sides of that baseball fence, whether it's Tony Clark and Scott Boris and their players mm-hmm. or Rob Manfred and the owners, you really have to admire the way that they're approaching this.
2: Yeah, you think... Honestly, how could they possibly be more in touch with the American baseball fan? with or their the American public. Yeah, there we're you in go. In the midst
1: of a pandemic, they just get it.
2: They really, really do, Randy. They understand that Americans are really struggling right now without sports. A lot of Americans are struggling financially. And they said, hey, we, we understand your pain. And we're going to do our part to make sure that this is smooth sailing. And we get baseball back as soon as possible.
1: Scott Boris, apparently, <laughs> is that agent that has maybe in newport beach been laying out on the beach without a tv without the internet for a couple of months and gets on the phone maybe he watched jerry Maguire during the quarantine went mm-hmm. back and looked at some old movies great movie and tells his players show me the money
2: which one of his clients is rod tidwell in this scenario
1: mm, good call Bryce harper
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah there's no doubt that it's Bryce harper is there
2: no. <laughs> bro, bro.
1: <laughs> hey, we, we were talking in our last segment about Patrick Mahomes and his star power. And you have an interesting question about him in reference to the rest of pro team sports.
2: When you think about any athlete, any professional athlete out there, and you think about all of the factors involved in signing them to a mega deal... Is there any athlete out there that you feel more comfortable giving a couple hundred million dollars to and being the face of your franchise more than Patrick Mahomes?
1: It's and a sh- short list. I would
2: say in any sport.
1: I would look at, and right now, we're talking a short-term contract, but LeBron, who I believe has the same contract that Jared Goff has. Isn't that crazy? Four years and 134. That's crazy. And... Uh, I think my list, guys that have tons of charisma, who are great for the community, great for our culture, and you can say, okay, I would absolutely, if I were an owner, give that guy that money. That's my short list.
2: LeBron and Patrick Mahomes. Yep. I think instead of LeBron, even though he's one of the biggest stars on the planet and you know what he's capable of physically... I would be more inclined to give a mega deal to Giannis. Because a lot of the things that factor into you feeling comfortable about Patrick Mahomes, Giannis also has. You know he has the physical capabilities. He's a star. He's great in the community. He's taken an organization in the Bucks and pushed them to the forefront of NBA fans' consciousness, which is what Patrick Mahomes has done in a lot of ways. Now, Giannis isn't a champion the way Patrick Mahomes is, but he certainly has all of those factors that would make you feel comfortable giving him a huge deal.
1: Yeah, and... He's basically the same as if Mahomes hadn't led that winning touchdown drive. If the 49ers had made one play, then they'd kind of be on the the same plane. And because Giannis is younger, that's a really good point because you're talking about making an investment in a guy for a relatively long term. And that's why I don't include like Aaron Rodgers because he and the things he does that we never hear about in Green Bay are wonderful. He's really good in that community. I guess his family doesn't like him that much, but yeah, Green Bay does. But
2: that's his football family, Randy.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You know, but yeah, if you're going with young guys, I'm with you on that. Now, in our community, we've got a couple. And I want to start with this, because champion, charisma, everybody likes him, fun, young. Next year, if Jordan Binnington has another year, like his first two, and he's an unrestricted free agent, does he fit into that group that we're talking about right now?
2: From a St. Louis standpoint, absolutely from a national standpoint i don't i don't know if people would as easily say yes jordan bennington is in that category just because hockey doesn't command the presence mm-hmm. the way that the nba or nfl does but yeah, Jordan Biddington has checked all of the boxes that he needs to check for the Blues to feel comfortable giving him that, uh, giving him a big deal.
1: And I think it's hard to have that sort of a difference maker in baseball. And we were talking about Mike Trout, who's played in three playoff games in his career, despite being the best player. It's really difficult for a baseball player, especially a mid-market like a Milwaukee or a. Kansas City or a St. Louis. Unless you're Derek Jeter, Mm -hmm. it's really hard for a baseball player to have that sort of an impact.
2: I mean, I think back to Albert Pujols and what a dominant player he was. And he played for a crown jewel franchise. And was on winning teams and was everything you could want in a leader and a star player and he didn't get the national play that he should have it's not like we saw him on sports center every night it's not that we saw albert puhuls as the face of a ton of different brands and maybe that wasn't his style and he didn't need that but it just shows you the difference between someone like patrick mahomes who does carry that and having patrick mahomes on your team makes the chiefs relevant even if they're not winning and I don't think you can mm-hmm. say that for a lot of baseball franchises and a lot of baseball players.
1: couple of texts about Jack Flaherty.
2: Good, good point.
1: And he is a very charismatic guy, and he's a winner. But think about in the last decade. Let's go back to 2011. Would most people in America, if they're walking in downtown St. Louis, across the street, towards the ballpark, and Roy Halliday would have been walking the other way towards the Drury Inn. Mm-hmm. Would they have recognized him?
2: Probably not, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. And I think if we look at, now Verlander would be a guy. And mid-market, well, a big market, but a mid-baseball market in Detroit. Even in Detroit, I don't think that he became a that guy until he started dating Kate Upton.
2: Until he got the celebrity factor attached to him. Right.
1: So that might be where Flaherty goes, but I still don't know if on a national level, that level of celebrity is going to be attainable for a major league baseball player.
2: Which is all the more reason that baseball needs to get back into the American consciousness. That if if we're sitting here talking about a guy like Jack Flaherty, who is as sure of a thing as we've seen in a long time here in St. Louis. If we're saying he doesn't have the national pull and that the Cardinals could in some way use that as a negative against him. I'm not insinuating that they would, but if a guy like Jack Flaherty, who is a young star player can't get recognized really in other markets. That says so much about the state of star power in baseball.
1: And we get a text from the 636. Connor McDavid is one of those guys, obviously, that the Edmonton Oilers did invest in. But again, when you're, we're talking about, at least I'm talking about a triumvirate of charisma, winning ability, championship pedigree, and then star power. Yes. And Mahomes has that. LeBron has that. Giannis has that. I don't think in North America, well, in Canada, Connor McDavid has that sort of star power. I don't think that across the United States of America, Connor McDavid has that sort of star power. Certainly has the champion or the, the, the quality of play. And he's a charismatic guy and certainly is good enough to be a championship player. But again, is a hockey player going to be able to d- develop that sort of following as a popular athlete in, in the United States?
2: We live in the home of the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. This is a great, great hockey market. This is a great hockey town. If you went over to Schnooks and polled 20 people and said, hey, who is Connor McDavid? How many, just random 20 people. How how many of those 20 people do you think would know?
1: Two or three, maybe. I, I think that's a high, probably one.
2: If you ask them about blues players, they would, yeah. of course, know. But that's, that's the difference between a guy like Patrick Mahomes and a guy like Connor McDavid.
1: That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is your Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Next up, You're Killing Me Smalls is coming your way on 101 ESPN.
0: What's totally killing Smalls right now?
2: You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls,
0: with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
2: This has
1: quickly become my favorite segment. I love reacting to what you come up with. What do you have today?
2: Oh, well, thank you, Randy. Well, the past couple segments, we talked about Patrick Mahomes and what an unbelievable franchise quarterback he is. And another franchise quarterback is taking a different approach this offseason. And I'm talking about Baker Mayfield. We know that Baker Mayfield has no problem being in the spotlight. He has no problem saying exactly what he thinks. But he said, you know what? I'm taking a different approach this season. No Cheesecake Factory? No, Randy. (laughs) I didn't know about that until you told me. And I'm afraid to Google it on my work computer. (laughs) So I'll just take your word for it. But anyway, he said, (laughs) he said, quote, it's just time to work, do our thing, instead of talking about it. This was on a video call with reporters, his first off-season video call was with the media. He said, this is the first media thing I've done just because there's no need to be talking about it. It's time to just go do it.
1: I hope that he has figured it out, and I don't remember if he was this, as talkative as he's been in his first few years in the NFL, if he was that way at Oklahoma. I don't know if he has the ability to turn it off in terms of talking all the time and trash talking like he says he's going to do. When your instinct is to stare down Hugh Jackson on the Cincinnati sidelines as a rookie, or When it's to make it about yourself by shaving three times during a loss, I don't know that he has the ability to reduce that ego. I'll be interested to see if he can. I I think it's wonderful that he's talking about it, but a lot of people can talk the talk. Let's see if he'll walk the walk.
2: I respect him saying, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to be about it. But part of the reason we love Baker Mayfield is because he does talk about it and I think that his personality is a a big factor in us caring about the Browns and I think when you hear other players talk about him they appreciate his honest approach they appreciate that as the franchise quarterback he's a vocal person in that locker room and that he's a vocal guy to the media and you you can take the quiet approach and grind it out quietly during quarantine and and whatnot but when the NFL season does come back For the sake of the entertainment value, I hope we don't see this from him.
1: People are accepting of those sorts of attitudes if you are winning and not throwing a bunch of interceptions. If you lead the league in interceptions, I think he did last year, or maybe Winston did. I think he threw 21 picks last year, Mayfield did. But your team was bad. If you're winning, if you're Jim McMahon with the 85 bears, you can say what you want and people will eat it up. And especially if Mayfield turns around the Browns and wins with them and is talkative, people will love it. But you can't be that guy when you're losing.
2: How many wins do you think it takes for him to unleash? One, two?
1: If they're... uh, I would say, yeah, if they're three and one after the first four games of the season, I think that he's jabbering all the way home. No doubt about it.
2: You're killing me, small. Speaking of talking, Randy, have you ever had to sweet-talk your way into a dinner reservation?
1: I believe that I have, yes.
2: And what was the line that you used? Do you remember?
1: I think it was uh, along the lines of... uh, This is a really important anniversary or something like that. Don't you have at least one for two? Something like that. One table for two. Something like that.
2: Was it your anniversary? It was. Oh, okay. Well, so you weren't lying. You were just being honest. Right. And you got the table. You secured the table?
1: I don't recall. I don't think I did. I think I wound up going somewhere else.
2: Oh wow. Yikes. Well, I saw this on Barstool Sports, so one of the most exclusive restaurants in LA. These girls called up and they tried to get a reservation. They said, hello, I'd like to make a reservation for 7:30 for two. The major D responded, Unfortunately, we're booked for the entire evening. The girls counter with, Oh, it's for Kendall Jenner. Pause. How many people? Didn't ask for credentials, didn't say, oh, how do I know this is really Ke- Kendall Jenner? How many people?
1: Wow. That's ridiculous, but it's so L.A. And Stugatz talks about how he does that in Miami all the time. He'll. Oh,
2: yeah, he does it on the show.
1: Yeah, he'll, he'll tell restaurants that big name people are coming in so that he can get the table, which is better than sweet talking. If you get the table, it's a pretty savvy move. Yeah, It it, wasn't Kendall Jenner, by the way. Of
2: course not. But I was just thinking that's all it takes is to to lie and say, oh, I'm a celebrity or it's for a celebrity.
1: Hey, if you're a restaurant and you can be known as having a celebrity in your restaurant, yeah, I think so. Now, the fact that you're turning down possible business and saying how many when it's Kendall Jenner, what if the person says 10? Great call. I don't know. So that's kind of lame.
2: But if I'm ever trying to get a reservation or tickets to anything in St. Louis and they say they're sold out, I'm just going to say it's for Yachty or Molina.
1: Yeah, that's a good play.
2: I'm, I am taking... All
1: you have to do is say it's for Michelle Smallman. People say, who? <laughs> what?
2: Is that, the, is that the person that you would go... your Like, your go-to, I know that the person on the other end of the phone would make it happen for this person. Is Yadi the ultimate person? Adam Wainwright, maybe?
1: I think those two would be right at the top of the list. I think if you throw Ozzy in there,
2: I can't imagine anyone wouldn't bend over backwards to accommodate Ryan O'Reilly.
1: Right. Yeah, especially now. Yeah, if you're a blues player, you're getting a table.
2: Yeah, no matter what. Craig yeah. Berube, who's going to say no to Chief? Right. You're going you're gonna to bring in an outside table to make it happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, you will expand the restaurant.
2: You're killing me, small. So this was a bummer, Randy, but I think we need to mention it. So the Boston Marathon, which is one of the great athletic events in our country, will not be run this year. We obviously knew it was going to happen, but to get the news, still sinks. It's going to be the first time in its 124-year history that it's not held through the streets of the city. It was originally postponed, but then they decided to make it a virtual run. But 124 years that the Boston Marathon has been run through the streets of Boston.
1: I was thinking about this, and I, I was thinking that they should have it be a rosy room. Louise Marathon, where you run for a mile. And then you take a cab for like 24 or a subway, and then you run for the last mile. And the person, the most resourceful person to get from a mile from the finish line or a mile from the start line to a mile from the end line is going to be the person that wins.
2: I like the creativity.
1: Yeah. And then you have to social distance. You have to do it by yourself Mm -hmm. and limit the number of participants. But I think it should be the Rosie Ruiz marathon.
2: I like that approach because as someone who's run half marathons, I've never run a full marathon. I don't think I could ever do it. So the people that run the Boston Marathon, shout out to you guys. You are in tip-top physical condition. But part of the reason that you run a race like that is because of the energy that you feel from the other runners. You you get that competitive nature in you, and you, you look at somebody in the crowd, and you say, okay, I can beat that person. And then you run up, and you try to stay in sync with that person. Or you're looking around, and you're seeing people cheering for you, and you're seeing different mile markers along the path. If you just have to run it at a track and there's no crowd and there's no other runners competing with and against you, who wants to run 26 miles like that?
1: Nobody. Oh, maybe somebody. I don't know. Back in the day, I want to ask you about finishing a marathon under these circumstances in the 70s there was a marathoner in the olympics named alberto Wantorini. it was from kenya and he ran barefoot they couldn't afford shoes in kenya so he ran the olympic marathon and i believe he won it wow barefoot how far could you run barefoot i couldn't it's unbelievable that he did that isn't that incredible
2: i don't even think i'd make it a quarter of a mile
1: no, it's amazing. You'd,
2: you'd hit gravel or something that would derail you immediately. But
1: the thing is, their whole life is barefoot, so their feet are so hardened yeah. that it didn't make a whole lot of difference.
2: Yeah, there's some serious calluses mm. going on there.
1: Saved a lot of money on shoes.
2: Yeah, these baby feet I have, no way. <laughs> there's no way that I would be able to do that.
1: I can't go get the male barefoot.
2: I can't even understand how people can run in those slipper shoes, mm-hmm. you know, the with the webs yep. in the feet. When I see people running marathons in those, I think, how is that comfortable?
1: I have a buddy that, uh, actually my former doctor, who runs in those, and he said it was a life changer for him. He said it was so much more comfortable than running in regular sneakers, and I couldn't believe it. But he runs all the time.
2: Hey, to each his own. Yeah.
1: Great stuff, thank you. You got it, Randy. That is You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and head back into the Blues booth. Joey Vitale. We'll find out what's up with Joey V next on 101 ESPN.
0: This is Carricker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's or online at BoardWalkHardwood.com BoardWalk Hardwood Floors Great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service.
1: Quick correction here. I said it was Alberta Wantarina that was the Barefoot Marathon champion. That was Abibi Bakila that was the Barefoot Marathon champ from Ethiopia. The Alberto wantarina was a 400 and 800 runner. And uh, he he was great, too, but he wasn't the marathoner. The marathon gold medalist was Abibi Bakila from Ethiopia.
2: Well, both of them are champions running barefoot, so I'm yeah, impressed.
1: Very impressive. Let's go to our Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and into the blues booth. And our great friend, the one and only Joey Vitale, is with us. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Randy and Michelle.
3: Yeah, the marathon, that was a bummer about Boston uh, when I went to school up in Northeastern. Marathon Monday, that was like St. Patrick's Day. I mean, they shut the entire city down, businesses closed. Obviously, I uh, didn't call it Patriots Day, but uh, those were those were some good memories. So, yeah, sad day about that. That's unfortunate. Did you ever run in it? You know, I, I never run it. I never ran in it. I was far too intoxicated, Randy, um, to complete a round around the block that day, personally. But um, one day, one
2: day. Joey, is that something that you'd ever be interested in doing? I know a lot of professional athletes when they get done playing, they look for some sort of physical activity to channel themselves into. Has running ever been that for you?
3: So actually, yeah, I've been running a lot. I've, I've been running. I actually ran a half marathon this morning, and that's why I had to bump back my uh, my my time today. Uh, we I ran a half. I have a run group here in Kirkwood. I got three guys that are you know good athletes. They run triathlons, and and I got into it. We started this group about a year ago. And we decided a few days ago, let's just run a half today. And we ended up just finishing under two hours. And uh, my hips are a little tight. But, you know, to your point, um, to channel the energy, I think that uh, some degree of pain is is healthy and struggle is healthy. And I think that's something we miss as athletes. So uh, uh, to, to do that in a constructive way where we're just running and burning some energy can be a good thing.
2: Well, congrats, Joey. And what a flex. Here I am just asking you if you're a runner and you casually ran a half marathon this morning.
3: Yeah, you know, I I always saw the people finish those marathons where they're like they're crippled at the end, like they can't walk. And I always thought, like, okay, come on, stop milking it. You know what? You're fine. But I'm telling you right now, I only did half of it, and my hips are are they're barking this morning, fellas.
1: Joey Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. So we heard yesterday that. Training camps will start no earlier than July 10th, and they're still talking about the first half of July. Get a couple of three weeks of training camp in. How do you feel about starting maybe August 5th, 6th, 7th for the round robin that the Blues would play in?
3: Hey, I like that. I think that if you give these players three weeks, which we know now officially will not start before that July 10th, as you just mentioned, according to Gary Bettman, that kind of is around that August 5th range which it's going to be weird. I mean, it's weird enough seeing no fans, but the thought of having playoff hockey in August, guys, I haven't wrapped my, my head completely around it yet, but I think this is a great thing. Uh, I know a lot of the players are on board with it as well. I think um, there still needs to be some major, major talks to happen. I know this is great news as far as where we're at, where we're heading. Uh, certainly steps inch by inch uh, that are moving forward. So it is a positive thing. Uh, but with that being said, I think a lot of players are cautious, cautiously optimistic in the sense that a lot of the the bulk of the conversation negotiations that still need to be had are very, very deep conversations that uh, between the player side and the league side. I talked to a bunch of players over the last week since this news has come out. Uh, the biggest thing, the biggest challenge, I think, moving forward seems to be with these players' personal lives and how this is going to affect their personal lives. Uh, of course, you've got the two hub cities, which the league is talking about, that ideally would start around Randy around that August 5th, August 6th. But what does that look like? The league's trying to create this quarantine. Uh, is that realistic? A lot of players feel like it's impossible to create that because you're constantly going to be having traffic coming in and out of the hotel. Uh, then the question comes, do you bring your family? What is your family allowed to do? What if a player has an emergency with the family member back home? Are they allowed to leave society, then come back and return to play? I mean, what are all the, uh, the protocol moving forward? So uh, that seems to be the issue. Nick Fellino was speaking openly about it, the, the captain for the Columbus Blue Jackets, saying that he'll fight somebody before he's being torn away from his family. Devin Dubnik, the goalie for the Minnesota Wild, another very vocal presence in the return to play committee, has spoken about how much is, is important that his family stays with them. So what that kind of looks like and how those families will be taken care of that's a big issue for these players right now. So if if they can really start the ball rolling and the league can figure out how to make this work, uh, that's going to be the best chance for the teams to come back into play here, hopefully in August.
1: For people that aren't aware of it, you, your family brought a new baby into the world right before we shut everything down. And you never want to say that it's any sort of a blessing that we had the uh, pandemic, but have the circumstances kind of worked in your favor that you've had a chance to be around the baby during this time? Absolutely. Listen, I, I, I'm like you, Randy.
3: It, you got to be careful how you say that, and, and I know you cautiously said that, too, because you obviously never want to hope for it to happen. But if it had to happen, you know, the timing of this thing, I mean, we had we had our daughter March 7th, and, and everything kind of really hit the fan, it seems like, March 9th. Two days, I mean, literally the day we left the hospital is when the NHL suspended the season and the city kind of went on lockdown and everything kind of got crazy. So from a safety perspective, we got out of the hospital one time, we got home, and, you know, it's not so much even just the newborn, but my wife's been with the newborn pretty much every second for the last two and a half months. Uh, meanwhile, we have three other kids uh, between the ages of nine and four that are very, um, you know, they they not, they need a lot. Spaces, they, they need pretty much everything, and they're at different stages. The homeschooling thing, uh, keeping them, you know, trying to be creative with different things for them to do around the house. You want to teach them about how to be responsible. I mean, all this kind of falls on the shoulders of me and a lot of these parents out there, which is why it, you know, has become so hard. And players out there, like Ryan O'Reilly, just welcomed his second son into the world. You know, Tyler Bozak, another one, Carl Gunnarsson, recently just had a child too. So it, it is trying to wear multiple hats throughout all this has been has been a challenge, a blessing for sure, but definitely um, a struggle. And you can see why these players are, are so adamant about wanting to be with their families because it's like anyone. Imagine anyone being pulled away from your family. Imagine if you came into work one day and your boss said, hey, we're moving the business to Tucson, and you're going to have to be away from your family for two months. It wouldn't sit well with a lot of people. So you can understand the players' perspective on this. So I think to find some sort of balance – uh, is going to be something that um, is going to be very important moving forward.
1: I think Tucson would be okay.
3: Well, I think it would be okay, but in August, Randy, it <laughs> yeah, might be a yeah.
1: It's a dry heat, though. That's rough. It's a dry heat. It's <laughs> a dry
2: heat. <laughs> it's, a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry heat. Joey, what do you think is going to be the most difficult challenge from a physical standpoint as far as these Blues players getting back into game-ready shape?
3: You know, I think the biggest thing is going to be I almost think physically, Michelle, I think they're going to be okay. I think that these players are, listen, these are professional athletes. We're not talking about Oscar Sundquist, who's been sitting on his couch drinking Natty Lights (laughs) for the past two months. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, he's a pro's pro. I mean, he's been, I actually, he lives kind of close by me over here. And I see him running up and down the streets all the time. These guys take great care of themselves physically. I think when they hop back on the ice, I think it's going to take every bit of three weeks. I I do believe that. You're looking at an Alexander Steen who's mid-30s. He's going to need every bit to get back into game-ready shape. But I do think physically they're all going to get there. To me, I just think it's going to be such a psychological battle moving forward. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. I mean, they're going to be playing in ranks. Think about this. They're going to be playing in the Western Conference final, hypothetically, against the Vegas Golden Knights, possibly. And it's going to be an empty arena. And it could be a game seven. And it could be a double overtime. And they're going to look around and they're going to hear crickets. Like that, that to me is where we're going to see a team prevail because they have kind of had that. That, that interior fortitude, that, that just like that regardless rubber nature where they're just going to get through and just battle through the adversity and to find it in themselves. I think, I think that's why, to me, this is going to be one of the hardest cups to win because you don't have the crowd. You don't have the energy. You don't have the buzz. All the energy, all the momentum, everything that you create is going to be internal. You have to create it within yourself, which I think that it's why the Blues have such a great shot this year to go back to the stanley cup final and, and even win it again because of the reasons i just mentioned you got to be able to handle adversity you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and know that it's going to come from within that was that was the blues mo last year they were the laughing stock of hockey mid-december and they literally looked themselves in the mirror and said we're the laughing stock of hockey the, the problem is right here but the solutions right here too and they found it within themselves to do it i think you're gonna need that same thing throughout this stretch i like the blues and I like the Boston Bruins. I like the Bruins for the same reason. Look, look, look at the adversity they just faced. They lose Game 7 at home ice. Look at the rebound they had this year. I mean, that is a group of solid core people. Zidane O'Chara, uh, Krejci, Bergeron, Ann. I mean, these players have been through the ups and certainly the downs. And to me, those are the type of teams you really got to be weary of and you got to look for to make it a big run here in August and September.
1: Hey, Joey, I was going to get the stuff to make you a carrot cake over the weekend. With the knowledge that you ran that half marathon this morning, are you prepared to play for the tie?
3: Oh, baby. oh I, Randy, I, 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 don't, I can't tell you the things I would do to have just one slice of your carrot cake right now. I, I just can't. You, you don't even need to pipe the orange and green carrots like you did that one time. That, that was beyond. But as long as you put the walnuts on top, that was a good touch. I appreciated that.
1: I'll take care of it and I'll drop it by soon. If uh, either uh, Sunday or Monday, I'll text you. I don't. I don't like soon. I, l- I like a day. I, I need to hold you accountable to that, Randy. Come uh, on. Uh, it'll be made this weekend. I will text you and I'll drop it by. It's a guarantee, <laughs> dead solid, lock guarantee. <laughs> You're the best, guys. You're the best, Michelle. Randy, it's always a pleasure. Have a great weekend, brother. You too. See you. That's the great joy of Italia I'm one on one, ESPN. So we got up at 7, and we think, well, we're, we got on the air at 7, and we think, man, what a productive day. We, we're going to be done with our job by 10, and we got a meeting, and then we'll be out. He, he's already run a half marathon this morning.
2: And had so much energy during his hit with us.
1: Yeah, I'd be dead to the world right now if I were him.
2: After I run a half marathon, I have to shower and lay somewhere and eat. I can't really <laughs> speak to anybody. It's just like I need to be alone Do you for eat a good minute. food? Oh, I eat whatever I want. You talk about playing for the tie, Randy. There's, You're never going to feast better in your life than you do after you run a big race or after you compete in a major athletic competition because you've earned every ounce of it. Coming
1: up, we're going to cross things over with our friend Dan McLaughlin. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up at the top of the hour. And Danny will be with us next on 101 ESPN.
0: Time now for The Crossover, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, The Crossover, on 101 ESPN. Happy birthday to
1: our boss, John Kioski. He's got a birthday tomorrow, so happy birthday to him. Definitely happy birthday to him. He hired me. Yeah, Yeah,
2: big time happy birthday (laughs) to Jack (laughs) Yasky.
1: He's our general manager here at Hubbard Radio. Does a great job. We appreciate uh, what he does for us. He's a good dude. Yeah, he is. We love Coach K. Danny Mack is here, and uh, we were just talking to Joey Vitale about him running a half marathon this morning. And you're getting into the walking, running uh, mode again. Yeah, I got out of it for a while.
4: You've always been active. Try to be active, yeah. But uh, I... I had knee surgery. I had a back issue, so it precluded me from doing those things. And it's if you if you have a bad back, bad oh. back is the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, you're debilitated. You can't do anything. And so, um, yeah, I just decided to go out and just let it rip yesterday. So just did about twelve miles and.
1: There you go. Good for you. Yeah, it was fun. I loved it.
2: You see this? Dan's doing 12 miles. Joy Vitali ran a half marathon this morning. Randy, we are slacking. No,
1: you're not. I rode my bike last night. I usually get an hour bike ride a day. try to when the weather's good. Otherwise, I'm laid out on the couch. Speaking of bike rides, did you guys watch the uh, Lance Armstrong documentary?
4: Yes. Pretty interesting. Like, I, I still think, and I was telling you, Michelle, in, it, you've given me great options on documentaries on plane rides, so I appreciate it. But I was telling you about the one on Lance that I think is on Showtime. Did yeah. you look for
2: it? I haven't watched it yet, but I, it's, it's on my queue. Oof.
4: I mean, you talk about going in-depth with, in uh, some of the same characters, I say characters, but people that you're seeing on the ESPN documentary are in the, I, and I think it's Showtime. But uh, they're on the same one, and it goes way more in-depth into the nitty-gritty of, and maybe this next episode will get more into the doping and the extent of uh, how far they went. It, it's just incredible, the stuff that they're putting in their body and how they were doing it, how they were trying to get away with it. Just absolutely mind-blowing watching how that that all went down.
2: I watched a documentary called Icarus. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah, I saw Uh, that, too. Where the cyclist does the exact same regiment that some of these guys were doing. It's a full-time job. Absolutely. It it takes so much of your time every day to administer these drugs the way they need to
4: take the blood out put it back in i mean scary
2: it but you think how do you even have time to train or to do anything else when this is and it's so specific it's so hyper specific what they needed to do
4: i always felt like how would you feel i mean obviously it had great benefits if you're an athlete for your capacity to take in wind for lack of a better term your, your breathing and those kind of things but God almighty, I,
1: the stuff going in and out of your body, I, scary, really scary. Which team between mm-hmm. Team Riz and Team Fastlane? And they're in the midst of a few. Uh, don't bring me in this. I just want to know which one do you think would benefit most from those helpers that oh. the cyclists used?
2: Good question, Randy. Oh,
1: Fastlane. Yeah, Fastlane for sure. They have the athletic edge, I believe.
4: Well, Brad is a former athlete, yeah. so
1: I mean, you got to give him credit there. Um, the other guys keep themselves Anthony in shape. Is, uh, Anthony is a really good athlete. Uh, Meat is sneaky athletic. And then, as uh, Michelle said, they have Ronge, too. Wait, why are you taking shots at I'm Ronge? Not, uh, that was a shot.
2: But see, he's just listening to everyone else. I just acknowledge Ronge is also there.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're just going over the roster. Yeah, we're yeah. just going okay. down the list here. Ronge yeah. is also there. Yeah, then they're going to add... Uh, well, I guess he added himself, Jamie Rivers. So well, the then you're program. in really good shape. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
4: I mean, because Ribs... You know, not being in professional hockey shape is still a former athlete shape, Mm -hmm. and that's still really good shape. So, yeah, i got to give the edge to those guys, and if they take performance-enhancing drugs in this particular Mm -hmm. instance, it puts them over the top. Yeah.
2: Now, the Rizzuto show wants to make this brains and brawn, and so if we're... Neither
4: one is the brains, and I think they both, everybody in that would agree.
1: We're in radio. We're in media. We're not that smart. Come on. Uh, ten people. There's got to be somebody in there that delivers the... Br- Riz is a smart guy. Oh, you're just trying to curry favor. No, it's,
4: well, yeah. It's, you, t- he's got a, an award-winning show and a big following. And you're, Oh, Riz is a smart but, guy. Gets it because you, you just want to kick uh, Kenny, kiss hash, his butt. Hashtag team morning. Oh, I got you now. Because you guys got to get up early. You all feel the uh-huh. same pain. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get
2: it. All right. Yeah, we see them in the hallway. We give those tired head nods because yeah, sure. oh, we're yeah. walking down the hallway. How
4: are you doing? I'm all right, man. <laughs> did you get some coffee? Get your diet Dr. Pepper? Yeah. All right. Have a good show. I get
1: it.
2: <laughs> get that now nap nap yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so okay.
1: It's different. Not what that did? I don't love the Fastlane guys, because obviously that was my team for 11 years. It was. So I, I love both teams. But I, just, I look at this as the epic battle between physical toughness and ability and mental toughness and ability.
4: Speaking of physical and mental toughness, how are you guys doing getting up in the morning now? Have you made the adjustment? You're all good? I'm pretty good. How about you, Michelle?
2: It's been shockingly easy, but I think we also don't have to stay up for games right now. So we can go to bed at Mm, a certain time. Once we have to stay up and watch games, and then our our window to sleep is much shorter, we might be singing a different tune. But I've been shocked at how good I feel and how easy it is to get up in the morning.
4: Let's just hope we're talking about games. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I I was trying to do the, the, well, for lack of a better term for Randy, math. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Randy. I know you're not great with math. But, um, you know, in baseball, if they don't play uh, or agree to a deal in the next week, I mean, there's no way July 4th hits. Right. So now you're talking middle July, late July. Now you're bleeding into August. Probably hockey is, what,
1: middle July, late August or yeah. early August, excuse me? First week in August, probably. Yeah. yeah. So, But if you get to that point with baseball, what's the point of having a 60-game baseball season, too? I, I, you know, when this all was coming out, I
4: was asked that question, and this was prior to the bickering going back and forth. And I, I my response was any baseball is better than no baseball. And maybe you just you turn it into a world baseball type scenario tournament just to get mm-hmm. games on the field, some, you know, enjoyment for your fan base. I mean, that's the one thing. We talk about sports fans. If you really are a diehard baseball fan, this is killing you what's going on. I, I love the sport. I love baseball. I understand there's the economics of it, but it's killing me not to watch games. I really miss it. I I just, as a fan, and yes, I make my living off it, but I really miss it as a fan of just watching the game. I enjoy it. And I do
1: think for as great as he has been for the players, I think if you take the preponderance of Scott Boris's career... It needs to be quiet. Yeah, I I think he's been worse for baseball than better. And he's done a lot of great things for baseball and players. But when you look at what happened with Kyle Loesch, when you look at what happened with Andy Bennis not being in St. Louis, when you look at uh, what he did to the career of J.D. Drew, and obviously all the positive things that he's done, and then you look at things like this... I, th- I think you can make a strong argument that in terms of the way people perceive baseball, he's been bad for it. Well, there, there's no. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um
4: it, Because it comes back to the money and the greed. And I'm going to talk about on my show is that he's not the commissioner. You're not the head of the Players Association. You rep your players. Deal with that. You're not the commissioner. You're not the right. guy that's going to set the guidelines of
1: this. You can have input, but do it behind the scenes. And. If you wanted, if you're Scott Boris and you wanted to run the union, you could. Yeah. You have 10% of the, 10% of the whole baseball, uh, of all the rosters are his clients. Well, how about,
4: you know, there's, I don't know if you guys read his op-ed in the New York Times, it was a couple weeks ago, and baseball paraphrasing could be this beacon of hope and light and all this stuff, and now it's two weeks later and it's, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm not getting my. Here's the bottom line: He represents guys that make a ton of money. He gets an X amount of percentage yeah. from those guys. He's getting cut too, so he has a vested interest in trying to make sure they get the most dollars. Right. Let's let's just be blatantly honest about it. I, I've talked to Ricky and Keel about Boris, and I've asked him many times just what was it like being represented by him, and he said he is amazing at his job. At your disposal is the power agent in the sport, the guy that'll get you the most money, the psychologist if you need that, the nutritionist if you need that. You want to come out to his complex and work out and get all of that. You can. It's at your fingertips. It's at your disposal. You can do it. So in terms of what he does for his clients, there is no, in my opinion, there's no doubting he's tremendous for them, but he cannot be a mouthpiece at this point as nope. an agent for what's happening in the game collectively. Right. I, I think that's wrong.
2: I just don't understand why you would want to throw gas on this fire when, yes, you want the biggest percentage of their contracts to happen because that's a bigger percentage for you. But the other option is zero.
4: It's (laughs) zero. And if we're worried about the court of public opinion, those days may have gone and uh, flown by now because people are fed up. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're sick of hearing this. If you're a sports fan and you love baseball, all you're hearing about, we're not even hearing about testing anymore.
1: Right. If, if, yeah. You
4: notice that? That was mm-hmm. the number one thing that was supposed to be talked about, the testing and the protocols for testing. Now, there was a comment that said that uh, we're not quite on the same page with that, but, you know, we hope to get it done. And then the next 10 paragraphs of anything you read is about money. So let, let's just be honest about it. It's coming down to money, period. <laughs> And that's what we thought it would be. Yes. That's where it is. Hey, looking forward to the show. Who do you got coming up? Rick Horton. We're going to talk a little bit about Tommy Herr and John Tudor going into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And also about uh, the hope, the wishes of baseball coming back. Have a lovely weekend, sir.
1: You too, guys. Thanks. Always fun. That's the great Dan McLaughlin. He has scoops with Danny Mac coming up. Great job today, as always, by our producer, Tommy Freeze Pops Carroll. Thank you, sir. And also... Luke Clevenger running the board today. Michelle, this was always fun. We're a month in now. We're four weeks in.
2: Time flies when you're having fun, Randy. Yeah,
1: and we had a great time. We hope you did today, too. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until Monday at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis.
0: That was the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe.